Greetings, friends. You are listening to We Own This Town Music, the podcast for showcasing new and notable tracks from Nashville and surrounding areas. I'm your host, Michael Eads, and this is volume 316. As you may have noticed from the title of the episode, we've got another special one for you. Jane and Ian from the band Twin joined me in the studio for a track-by-track discussion about their new album, One Stop Shop. I am very grateful for the amount of time they spent gabbing with me, and honestly, I'm grateful that they made the album. It is incredibly good and very different for what you'd think of coming out of Nashville. We should all be proud to call Twin a local band. If you are listening to this on Wednesday, September 21st, you can see Twin at Grimey's performing live at 5 p.m. Pretty good timing on this episode, huh? Before we dive into that conversation, I do want to give many thanks to Mary Mancini for joining me on the last episode and playing a bunch of music from the Lucy's Record Shop days. If you weren't at the 30th anniversary show that happened last Sunday, you missed out. Everyone involved with putting that together did a stellar job. If you aren't listening to the Lucy's Record Shop podcast, you are actively missing out. So make sure you go subscribe to that. Okay, let's uh, eschew all of this stuff here at the top. You know all the good stuff about We Own This Town music. Let's just get right into our conversation. Here it is, my chat with Jane and Ian of Twin. Today I'm joined in the studio by Twin. This is Jane Fitzsimmons and Ian Jones sitting here with me. They just recently released One Stop Shop, a record that I literally cannot stop listening to. I absolutely love it. And I'm also really blown away by everything around it. The marketing around it, the artwork around it. Uh, everything is Yay. just like <laughs> phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it's it sounds like I'm gushing because they're sitting in front of me, but honestly, I've told strangers this. It's just a great record. Fantastic. Everything about it. So I really just wanted to have you come in and talk to me about mm. Twin. Because yeah. I think I saw you at the five spot like I don't know, five years ago or six years ago, and was like, Sounds oh right. shit, this band is awesome. Yeah. And then you got signed, I think, and put out a bunch of rad videos mm-hmm. and a rad album. Correct. And then a pandemic happened. Yeah, Correct. casual. <laughs> casual <laughs> pandemic happened. And then this new record came out, and it's all you. Mm-hmm. There's not a label involved sure. with this. Yep. Is that correct? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It is kind of insane. Yeah, we definitely feel like a different band from when we first moved to Nashville in 2016 to now. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of different factors had to do with that. The pandemic had to do with that. But it's not a pandemic album. (laughs) It's not that. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Which a lot of people have, and props to them. But um, this was written after the, I mean... Is the pandemic really over? I guess not. But um, when we uh, were out of lockdown and we finished building our van, we were driving around and that's when we started riding. And then um, realizing that if it was going to get done, we had to do it ourselves. Um, Incredible. And before we. And that's how we we started, you know, whatever. I mean, that it feels weird. It it feels weird to say uh, to use the term DIY. Because everybody's kind of DIY up to a point sure. until you bring other people on right. board and then they're helping you to, you know, make your thing happen. Um, but we kind of came full circle only in the sense that we had a, you know, a, a decently extensive team at the label yeah. helping with radio and helping. Distribution, yep. mm-hmm. PR. Yeah. We had management. We had a booking agent. Right. But we actually did some 
firing before the pandemic <laughs> happened. Um, but then some more firing happened, and then uh, the label got bought out. As okay. most things uh, did. I didn't know that was the story there. Yeah, they got bought by Cobell or something. They were like owned by somebody or, that owned somebody. Sure, you know, it's sure. like a, a giant stepping, yep. you know, trickle down economics over here. It's like mm-hmm. everyone owns somebody yeah. else. It's a 30 rock diagram. Just uh, everything yeah. owns it. It's like um, a vacuum company at the top. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what uh, prevented from us doing a, a second album with them. Well, it seems like it's worked out okay. Because One Stop Shop is awesome. I yeah, I and think, it's still working out, I guess. Yeah, because you're in it now. You're in the promotion for it now. Correct. And 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 we're only here because we don't have any gigs right now. I don't got anything else to we're do. We're running yeah. into the same issue we ran into on the first record, where we put the record out and then can't tour it. It's a very familiar so, feeling. Right now, we're dealing with yeah. two canceled tours for this fall. So. Mm. Oh, um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, it's a drag. Well, I liked your remark about DIY not really being do it yourself. It's more like having a community. Yeah, like correct. not necessarily yeah. paying a bunch of people to do stuff, but there's a correct. community involved. Yes, right. I and like people you actually know, people, friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, people you've worked with before. And we're uh, only saying it. We, I think, we're only saying the DIY thing because we think of what we're doing as still on the same scale as what we were doing when we were signed to a label. Uh-huh. So we're like. Our output is pretty heavy right now, in the sense that like we just put out a record. We're already working on the next one. We're also we've got all these yeah, videos we that we're doing. Four videos on we our book, own. We book yeah, yeah. our own tours, yeah. but it's not like you know they're not like weekenders. Like we book extensive tours, yeah. and we yeah. you know like There's so we're doing it on a level where we we're competing with other you know label sized bands. Sure, I think. Well, it's not to be competing. Yeah, yeah. It's not to be competing. Well, yeah. That's just what I mean by the the DIY. Yeah, Yeah. I get what you mean. It's not really. You're not competing in that sense, but you're competing in that there's a market. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, Got it. Well, before we dive into what I what I really want to get into is uh, like a track by track breakdown and like how all that works for the record. Like what what was the thinking behind it? Uh, Because I've heard so much feedback from other people. They're like, this is this record's wild. Like Mm. there isn't anything like this in Nashville. Like people don't write music like this in Nashville. Absolutely. Which I completely agree with. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Aaron Robinson. I don't know if you know him or not, but he was like, this is yeah. the best record nice. yeah. that Nashville has produced, mm-hmm. period. Hard mm-hmm. stop. That's wow. I, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. high accolades and it's not unwarranted. Yeah. Uh, so, Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> so give me, the, give me just like a quick rundown of where you come from and what's your general story. You say you moved to Nashville in 2016. Mm-hmm. You come from Boston. Is that right? Yeah. Um, we both went to school in Boston. Ian's from a little outside of it, but I'm actually from St. Louis, Missouri. So I have no nice. New England in me at all. Um, very soft, very polite. And um, so, and I just went to school up there. Nice. Um, adjacent to Berkeley, where Ian went. So I don't have any background in music, actually, in any You had none form. prior? None. I don't play an instrument. I don't. Awesome. I'm not. I don't know any theory. I don't know anything. So don't need it. Oh, but, <laughs> yeah. but you do. I you know, know it in my soul. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So um, that uh, that's how we met, and then we uh, started Twin and nice. moved to Nashville to mm. do that. Why did you move to Nashville to do that? <sighs> I, I don't know. I think at the time it felt like Boston <laughs> to us, except for the, a rare few. There's a ceiling there. There's really no music business infrastructure there, and so it's like. But yet, it's expensive. But, but yeah, it's a. Uh, so you get the worst of both worlds, <laughs> right? Um, so we just wanted to do the band thing full time. We knew the rent was really expensive while we were living there, and so we're like, okay, well, let's try a different place where there might be some infrastructure there to support us doing this thing full time, while having 
a slightly cheaper rent. Yeah. Had you been here? We had. We visited. Yeah, we went on like a one, you know, two day trip or something um, on a road trip. And we were like, yeah, sure. I must it was have, warmer. During college, I must have met somebody or something that... Yeah. I don't There's know. a long history, too, of people at Berkeley in Boston moving to Nashville. And sure. that's kind of the people we met at first. And we are like, ugh, don't want to know them. At some point, it was planted <laughs> into our minds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I had just grown up in New England, so I think I just wanted to try something new. Yeah. And at that tender age of whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know. for sure. And in a way, it was closer for me to come home sure this way oh, yeah. it's only it's five hours from st louis so it's true quick drive yeah yeah, yeah. We, we ended up seeing a lot more of jane's family when we moved here so. if i recall the the story correctly you recorded like a live set at the five spot and put that out as like your first ep is that right no 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 no, no. Um, great uh the the live ep was actually recorded at our first show in a basement in boston right before we left oh okay and it was on accident like so our friend <laughs> um nick ertman he just was like practicing live recording he just liked he doing just threw it. some mics up in the basement yeah because w- like jane's house and our house uh they were all basement venues. Mm-hmm. So we would just throw shows, you know, college shows and all that. But this kid just put mics up, recorded it, kind of came out halfway decent. It was yeah. nice. Uh, yeah. Our drummer at the time, Corey, mixed it. And then we put that out. And so by the time we came to Nashville, we kind of had this five song cassette. Yeah. You know, we put well, it out. Well, like a cassette. calling card, as some, sure. anything. Something. Just something yeah. to bring to the table because we knew we wouldn't know anyone when we moved here. Um, well, it worked it, out it, nicely. It worked out great. Yeah. Um, it definitely helped with like touring because that's immediately what we started doing right. when we moved here. And you didn't do a, like another recording like officially, right. official recording. Until Awestruck. Until Awestruck, yeah. which was years later. Is that right? Uh, that would have been like yeah. two. I mean, the, it, uh, uh, it's hard in, to say. Until it came out, it took about two years for that to come out. Yeah. Because we were touring so much and because we had to remix it and... Overdub it. And then when the label got involved, that kicked the can down the road another year. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Just to... Because to sign a contract took forever. Mm. Lawyers. Yeah. Wild. And we can sense the venom in our voices (laughs) about this process. (laughs) It felt like like we just got put through that whole juggernaut. I'm glad we did because it meant that when One Stop Shop came around, we knew what we wanted and what we didn't want. Learned a lot. Yeah. So we are no longer impressed by labels and we are no longer impressed by that whole scene. You know, it's just easier to do it yourself in your living room and put it out if you have the facility to do so. Yeah. Not everybody does. Yeah, it's true. Not everyone (laughs) does. And sometimes some assistance helps. As a person that runs a small indie label, I'm nowhere on the level of (laughs) like French Kiss. But, you know, uh, I often think, what does a label bring to the table? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not, I'm literally not doing anything that someone can't do on their own. Yeah. Like, you can get your own vinyl press. You can get your own digital distribution. Mm -hmm. You can either hire a promoter or like a a press person or just Mm -hmm. hit it, hit it hard, like send a bunch of emails yourself. Mm -hmm. I think really, I've never asked this to tons of people because it really bothers me. Sure. <laughs> uh, the answer that they always come back with is just community. Like the yeah. real benefit of a label, and I don't know at what scale, like you get money, obviously. Yeah. There's something nice there. Mm-hmm. And you maybe get some other bands that you can tour with or other people to like bullshit with and mm-hmm. bounce ideas yeah. off of and feel supported. Feel like someone's got your back. Yeah. Like, oh, One Stop Shop's amazing. There's someone behind you saying, yes, this is yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. And that depends on the label because some <laughs> labels yeah, right. have that sense of community and there's an involvement there. And then other labels are yeah. super hands off and they just either they just give you the money or they misallocate 
funds, you yeah. know, and they yeah. do it in a they spend money in places that, you know, you maybe wouldn't yeah. if you knew that it was being spent. Sure. So it could be either way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> For sure. So I think from the outside looking in during mm. that off-strike era, it didn't show to any of us sure, yeah, as yeah. fans. Mm. I mean, the videos were like unreal. They're sure. so good. The mm. album is so good. Uh, the graphic design is so good. And I think, Jane, is that your doing, the um, graphic design? Yes, I, that's what I actually went to school for in okay. Boston um, and then got caught up in the indie music uh, sure. fervor. Um, but uh, I was doing design for bands and then um, It's a nice overlap, own. right? It's actually a great one. Um, and so, yeah, that's all of the visuals. It's another way to express you yeah. know, uh, through the music and the art. Awesome. So you've had all this label drama. You... Get me to the point where you're putting your van together, which people might not know. You have this incredibly huge, amazing van that you have fitted yourselves, yeah. like yeah. done the work yourselves. Yeah. Every bit of it. Correct. Fit this yeah. van. Only one thing we didn't do is just cut the hole for the sink because we didn't have a router. But didn't you yeah. cut the hole like in the side for a window? Yeah, that was strangely yeah. easier. That's wild. <laughs> well, we just didn't have the tool. We we needed I didn't want to buy a router. I yeah. Like my tires will be low on my car and I'm like, I don't know how this thing works. I, don't, well, we I can can't fill these tires we, up. We can help yeah, you. Yeah, we could definitely help that. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you already had this van or you were like, well, we're going to be touring. Let's get a van. Um, yeah, that was the in 2018 goal. we moved out of the place we were renting kind of forcibly because uh, we yeah. were not i don't we know if it was things. illegal i don't know if it was illegal per se but we were <laughs> renting a house here in nash in east nashville uh with very affordable rent but we were always touring gone all the time so we the whole the whole house we were having a hard time coming up with the funds so we started airbnb our house but it wasn't our house so when the landlords found oh, out wow. at the end of the tax year and they got their little They're IRS like, form. Get out uh, of here. They said, get out. Oh. Yeah. So then we moved all of our stuff into a storage unit. And at that time, we stopped paying rent. And we haven't paid rent since 2018. Mm. So and I think that's the only reason why we were able to do what we're doing now. Okay. Um, because if we could, like, if we'd have to pay rent, you know, which is now, I don't even know, like, right. crazy high sure. in Nashville alone, um, you know, we wouldn't be able to afford to spend the time that we do on this project. Right. Um, so that... That helped a lot with like just the trajectory. And then so we were kind of house sitting, dog sitting, friends. If they had like a cat that they were going to be out of town for a month, we would stay at their house. Mm -hmm. Slowly sold off all of our possessions like furniture. Sure. Um, and then at the end of That 20, took us up to the pandemic. No, it was right before that I bought the van, though. Oh, we had, right, you know, yeah. saved enough. It was. It felt like the right time. Yeah. Um, sold my other car and got this Ram Promaster 2500. It's yeah. like what, exactly what I thought would work perfectly to build this um, camper it's, van. It's a big van. For those listening, it's a big van. It is the it's same about, van as the Amazon trucks that everyone sees yeah. around. Okay. I mean, there's a 1500, yeah. a 2500, or a 3500. It's, like it's not, like, obnoxiously big, yeah. but it's, it's about 18 feet tall and it's 15 feet long. Yeah. 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 You can stand up in it. Yeah. That's the main. That was my main gripe. I needed to have to stand up. Sure. Some people mm. do it without that, and I, I don't think I could. Um, but that was the goal all along when I bought it. Um, to be like, we're gonna outfit this, but we didn't really know how we were gonna do that. Right. And it was definitely a formidable task. Like we have no experience with carpentry or with yep. electric things or plumbing. Nothing. So um, it was kind of just faith that like, hey, we're smart. We know like the internet exists. Like we're fine. Like yeah. we I'll figure it out. Um, but time was the main, you know, parameter because mm -hmm. we were touring. We were literally touring in it 
you know, it was an empty cargo van, like we bolted seats okay. to the ground, like yeah. through yeah. the floor. So yeah. I did like two North American tours, like coast to coast in it before it had anything in it. When it was literally an empty box, there was no insulation or yeah. anything. Just with the, the seats Very bolted cold. through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our poor band members, Jeff oh, no. and Gwen at that oh. time, they were just suffering. Hot the hands in so the cold. shoes, you know, <laughs> yeah. like just like really Oregon Trail style oh, stuff. I hope yeah. that becomes the episode title, Hot Hands in the Shoes. <laughs> well, that's good. Wrote it down. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we definitely had some hard times or like just gritty, you know, yeah. build up some grit through yeah. that. But then when the pandemic hit, yeah. we were like, okay, where are we going to be? So leading up to the pandemic we did two tours oh, we did right. two european tours that was in the fall right before the pandemic and then uh and then when we got back we got back from europe and within a week the pa- everything shut down oh, wow so we just got back in, into the country squeezed it in the last yeah, you know, we yeah. Have international trip great time we have suspicions that our bass player got it in spain when oh. we were on tour oh, wow. got mm-hmm. covid because she got sick and had all the symptoms and everything and then when but we, we didn't got know there, what yeah. it was like yeah. it was at the time wild yeah. Yeah. So then when the pandemic happened, then we had that finally had the opportunity to actually outfit the van mm-hmm. and we had the time and the unemployment checks to put, <laughs> in, sure. you know, funneling so it into I bet. It's yeah. great they did that. So I think it's sure. like to it's, not have to worry about like food money or anything yeah. like while you're yeah. while you're literally doing nothing else to make money or just building. Right. Yeah. It's really crucial, like to understand that we have lowered our st- like our standard of living essentially Mm -hmm. because we don't have rent to pay. We don't have utilities. And we've done that for years before we moved into the van. So only because our monthly bills are so low, are we able to do this thing full time? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and most people are not in that position. Either they didn't make the decisions that would lead, you know, or, or Or they have exterior factors that prevent that. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so I think it was like a combination of good luck, good fortune, but also we made some wise Timing. decisions in mm-hmm. retrospect yeah. that allowed us to pursue this full time. So, so during the pandemic, you're outfitting the van, yeah. you're learning all this wild stuff from YouTube and just mm-hmm. brazenly cutting into your van Correct. and mm-hmm. feeling like, yep, we got this. This is going to be fine. Yeah. It does. It looks incredible. It's, it is awesome. We'll show yeah. you afterwards. Yeah. I mean, it's in one of the music videos, right? Oh, yeah. Correct. Yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll make sure that's linked uh, and people can check it out. It looks fantastic. It's yeah. a Thank wonderful you. looking van. It's, Thank you, Michael. Honestly, <laughs> if I tried Three percent of it. It would just be the worst shit show in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very impressive. Don't know you until you try. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I will never try. <laughs> I promise. Uh, so you're saying you started writing the record after that or during that? Um, during pandemic, we were. I think mm-hmm. I was fiddling with. I was trying to learn how to do this thing. You know, engineer and mix stuff on my own. So that was yeah. kind of the beginning of my production journey. Uh-huh. But we didn't start writing this record proper until we had been in the van for maybe five months yeah i think i yeah. had to switch my brain off into a different mode yeah because i was handling a lot of like the the systems of the van so i was like putting together this giant puzzle mm-hmm. of how the plumbing and the electricity and all how everything was yeah you know fitting together sure. so i like had no space in my mind at all for creative like tasks yeah, right that was that a full-time one. gig for 10 months was building the yeah thing. i can imagine but moving um, moving out of the van and then we started traveling and living out of the van full-time and then when we started to really get that under our belt um 
yeah how, how that worked because that's yeah. also an adjustment too of like okay where are you gonna we do have a shower on the back but mm -hmm. like just where are you gonna park like where mm -hmm. are you gonna go sure like we got a planet fitness membership you know that's where we take showers you know like what what is right. the safety you know that's yeah. that's this whole other like lifestyle change as well so that was probably yeah i've seen no mad land it's wild out there <laughs> I actually yeah. haven't we haven't seen, seen it, it. <laughs> it's good yeah. it's good <laughs> Okay. It's worth the accolade to earn. Sure, I think our experience, from what I know, is a little different than that. Um, <laughs> but it's not as dire. But uh, it it definitely has some overlap. Nice. So, so then you start writing the record. You're yeah. comfortable in the van now. It's a good place yeah. to live. Yeah. Start writing the record. Are you recording? I, I, I'm. My mind has never tried to connect these dots. But yeah. how do you record a so record if, if you, you live in a van? If you look out that window, you'll see the solar panels on the top of our van. Yes. So all the demos that we made you know probably the first 10 demos that we made were all just solar powered okay <laughs> right yeah silly silly stuff. yeah <laughs> yeah but uh, we, we switched out everything we had mostly for the most part you can't make a guitar you know smaller unless you want to play ukulele which we are not interested in but sure. most of the other things like a it's little a instrument a little interface like a little mic stand that mm -hmm. similar to these that we're using right now right. that clamp to the table yeah. yeah you know those kind of switches short scale bass Okay. Uh, Tiny. You know, and just, Small. and like when we're writing, we just use kind of like a drum loops or, or whatever kind of like drum machine samples mm -hmm. just to write and just to get, you know, okay, this is about the tempo, this is the groove, blah, 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 mm -hmm. and write to it. And we, we made about 20 demos. We also worked, uh, we were parked outside my parents' house up in New Hampshire, and we also wrote, um, we, we continued writing up there. Yeah. But while still living out of the van. And we wrote about 20 songs. We recorded 15, and we chose 10. Yeah. So, so there's five B-sides floating around somewhere. Mm. Correct. Those may or may mm. not have already been... Um, some of them might make, you know, yeah. either a, a single release. We're sitting on a lot of stuff right now. So yeah. High standards. I don't know how That's it'll awesome. come out, yeah. but it, you'll hear it eventually. So when do you go into, like, do you, how do you make the, uh, the final recordings? Like, if those are your demos, yeah. are you going into a proper studio, renting time? Are you doing this again in your van? or Yeah, so right now for this one? or No, for, for one Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so our friend Nate lives mm -hmm. here in Nashville, mm -hmm. and he had helped us, you know, he had re helped record us some demos. He had a deeper understanding of engineering, and he had some gear that we didn't have. You know, we don't really have any, we can't fit a whole lot of gear in the van. Yeah. Right. So, like, we came back to Nashville after we had all that stuff written mm -hmm. all those demos written and then he kind of helped us and you'll see him on the the liner notes his name's nate grim and he helped us with the production side he helped me learn what the hell i was doing right taught me how to use a compressor taught me how to use a limiter etc <laughs> etc so you know he's a very he's like a self-taught and very like gear obsessed person so that was like <laughs> a very helpful addition to what we had going on which we're, we didn't have like a bunch of gear you know, in our van, you know, right. Ian's working out of the box, but him to like come in with these different pedals and things um, just to kind of share yeah. his knowledge was very fun. And up until that point, it was just me and Jane writing all the demos and stuff. So then we finally had an outside set of ears. So he kind of acted as like a preliminary producer right. and uh, we were able to run everything through him. And he, you know, this just wouldn't have happened without Nate. So, but then once, once he kind of put his mark on it, then... I ended up finishing the the most of the record out with help from another friend, Alad, and he helped record a couple drums. Nate also records some drums. Yeah, so it was like it was uh, most helped. of it was done in the box in a bedroom mm -hmm. or in a basement at, at our friend's that, house. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it sounds so good. Yeah, 
That Thank sounds you. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Did you have it sequenced like once you had those demos? No. Or were you just like, let's do these 15 and then we'll carve it down and then we'll figure yeah. out the sequence? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. yeah. the go goal was there. to have every song like standalone is like an amazing track on its own. Okay. Um, so we'd never really, we had the concept of an album, obviously, since we were writing them all at the same mm-hmm. time, but it was never like how to make them fit. And we actually like, weren't sure that we were going to do a record. We only ended up, p- p- get, like the, the concept around One Stop Shop was only kind of calcified once we got the Rainbow Kitten tour offer mm. and we had some uh, hmm. prospective finances right. coming down the pike in right. the future a where number. we were able to say, oh, okay, we can actually release a record. Right. Until then, we didn't have the funds and we were also just thinking we would do a single a month and try and see what happens because coming out of the pandemic, we had no idea where we stood. Right. You know, we yeah. didn't get to tour the first record, if, you know. The the label didn't exercise the second option. And you said you like, did European yeah. tours. Was that so like done yourself? That's true. That but well, the first European tour was before our record came out. The second one was, was after the yeah the, yeah the first one was a support for Taco Cat. Second one was a headliner in Europe, but you know didn't really have a European fan base, so I'm not quite sure why. We we were sent over. It was but, fun. Um, uh, I bet. Yeah. I mean, it was we great. We got we some fans, it. but like yeah. it's hard to, especially after the pandemic, it's very difficult to get over there. Yeah, yeah. So, it's expensive over there too, right? Oh yeah. goodness, yeah. You yeah. have to have a lot just for plane tickets alone, and then on top of that, it's you know mm. a lot of taxes and yeah. currency exchanges. I would definitely do it again in a heartbeat, but it helped. And have, we're planning something for spring twenty three yeah, over there. It helped but, to have that nice. label fund to to do that. Yeah, we don't have anymore. Where were we? <laughs> we are at the record being yeah. recorded here in Nashville, Correct. and yeah. now you're sort of... Oh, yeah, we through. weren't sure that we were going to do a record, yeah. but, but Rainbow Kitten saw us play at the Five Spot not uh, earlier this year, and they invited us out on tour. So then when, when that opportunity came down, we said, okay, well, we should have a record out yeah. you know, for, for that tour. So then we put it out in July. Yeah. And like when we released Ha Ha Home, that, that was the first single. Yeah. That was not... You know, that was back in December of 2021. Right here we are in. All right, so August, it wasn't September. even a, uh, like known where it would fit. Other no, songs we were just putting shit out. Well, they weren't even completed. Like they were written, but they weren't like finished that is recording. Wild. We just started because it as, fits so as well. As we were finishing yeah. shit, we were just putting it out, releasing it. So then, Ha Ha Home came out. We put we we put a video, released it. Mm-hmm. Next month, we finished Bore You, made a video, put it out. Next month was Dignitary Life. Didn't make a video, but still put it out, you know? So we were just doing it a track at a time with a video, and we were just trying to see where we stood and whether there was an audience. So the album itself was Mm. still not a formed idea. We didn't finish it until we knew that we had to press vinyl Mm -hmm. for the Rainbow Kitten tour. (laughs) Which was It was all super last minute. That was in May. May, yeah. Because we were on the West Coast. We were. I remember being in coffee shops, like making the album art, and um, wow, you know, is, you this, were finishing. Tra- is this making sense, listener? <laughs> it was <laughs> just, sure if it's well, just when, we, it is, when totally. we started in the van too. We were just doing things that felt good at the time. We had some deadlines for ourselves, which was making the amount of demos we did. It was very important to us that we made twenty instead of just like doing the first ten that came out. Yeah, and I'm really glad we did that because a lot of the great ones came later. Mm-hmm. But then to release it, we didn't want to wait on someone else's. That's kind of where this whole process started doing it ourselves like i was like if we're we if we have a group of songs and we bring it to a label they're gonna say okay we can release these in like a year yeah and then like what happens to us we're dead in the water like there's nothing we can do like what are we gonna tour on old songs that you know we're not connected to anymore like it's completely out of our hands and i just wasn't willing to do that again so that's where just like okay this song's done like ha ha home just came together first because we were working on it with nate and it just sounded the best 
first like it was just the one that came together mm-hmm. and then we were like okay let's release we it. didn't we that's been the most successful song and we had first no one. expectation for that to be successful at all we didn't think that was the best song it no. was just the first one that we finished it was just we're the like, first let's one let's that put it was out. done yeah well i'll make a video yeah. we used the same director that we did for the damsel one we met him through that process but now he's become a great friend yeah, how did you meet him um our manager actually found him in nashville he's he does a lot of music video work he's amazing our manager casey at the pierce time. yes at, at well, a casey at pierce used to be my neighbor nice he used really? to literally live next door to me he oh, also wow. used to work at uh fido down in oh, nice. the village and uh i the very first record that i put out on yk records is from an artist named uncle skeleton and it has a song on it named casey pierce nice. after oh, him wow so, oh my god i'm gonna ask him about that yeah. he's never brought that up uh casey's awesome yeah, oh, and his amazing. talent is unbelievable like it's true his videos are phenomenal mm-hmm. like i love working with him and we loved it when we we uh, weren't supposed to do a second one for our first album but i was like please like i'll come up yeah, i'll do all the work can you just show up and like use your talent to yeah. make it good and then i edited it and then um, oh, wow. for these that was we, the holy river video. yeah it was the mm-hmm. holy river one and then for these i was like well he's amazing we're in nashville so uh, we did the video for that um and it's just great because then he lets me edit them and uh that's just like a nice relationship mm-hmm. we have wow the, the skills that you all are acquiring through this process is really yeah. unfathomable like well, we you're a video time. editor you're an audio engineer <laughs> graphic designer graf- well you're already he's a, a graphic he's designer. a booking Book agent over here booking yeah, agent yeah. <laughs> like uh van whatever <laughs> yeah. fabricator yes. right? yeah. <laughs> that's incredible all right so uh we're now in the point of your story where you have the songs you know that you're going to be going on tour hopefully potentially Mm -hmm. Uh, so you want to form it into a proper record even though three of those songs are done you felt good about them you put them out into the world Mm -hmm. so you said ha ha home was uh the first right and then bore you then dignitary life yeah Mm -hmm. and then feeling love from the waist down yes Mm mm-hmm one of my faves with the bowling video yeah. yeah that one one in six one stop shop title track and feeling in love from the waist down might be my favorites but hey it's ah. all subjective yeah, yeah, they're all very sure. good bore you haha home they're all great the brooklyn yeah. bridge one it's great yeah. anyway we're getting ahead of myself <clears throat> yeah, yeah so do you want to go through this in possibly the order that you that they came to fruition or do you just want to start at the top and tell me a little bit about everything? I don't think I could remember that. Yeah. yeah so I would say just from the top. Okay. So starting just at the top of the record, you don't have to tell me the full story of everything, but yeah. I'm just intrigued by any anecdotes you care to share. So one stop shop for a fading revolution. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, this started as a as a guitar piece, mm-hmm. as a finger picking guitar piece. It was like pretty intricate, and it, it went some other places that the final song doesn't end up going to. But I remember writing this. We're friends with a band from Florida called Glove. You may or may not know. Amazing of them. band. They're great. And uh, have heard of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we first moved into the van, we went to their house in Tampa, Florida, because we just wanted to be warm. We beelined like to February. Florida. We love Florida, <laughs> so and we went there immediately. We parked in their driveway, and I remember this was like one of the first ones. It's funny that it actually became the first song, but it was one of the first ones we were working on then. 
mm-hmm. right? That was, oh, yeah. That was pretty early. Yeah, it was. In terms of this, the record writing. I remember we were sitting in their driveway, and I kind of put it over a beat and this guitar part, mm-hmm. and you kind of... Yeah, uh, I didn't know what I was going to do yeah, with yeah. it at first, but then the phrases, uh, one-stop shop for a fading revolution and, and bloodshot, bloodshot curse, curse yeah. for a reigning institution came out, and then that's what the whole core of the song How How do you write lyrics? I'm going to get to you on the music, but yeah. how do you... Or, or both. Yeah, I don't it's, know if that's collaborative. It's changed a lot. It is collaborative at the end. Um, yeah. There's a lot of different like phases, at least in this process, yeah. at the beginning. I don't want to make assumptions. That was poor of yeah. me. No, 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 it's fine. Um, long ago, you know, I would just kind of come. I have a different way of. Oh, how do I even describe this? I have a different way of writing because I don't play an instrument and I don't rely on like those theory structures of different chords or like how you would, you know, assemble sure. some sort of song. You know, I'm not singing at a piano or something, mm-hmm. but melodies are very important to me and melodies will just i don't know come to me i guess so i have recordings on my phone like probably i have a thing like over a thousand that i just when they come to me i record them sure and then you know sometimes it's like in different parts where i can kind of see oh that would be the verse and that would be the chorus so that's the hook i really like hooks and so that's that's what happens and sometimes words are with it and sometimes they aren't so before like with awestruck i would not work on those words i would just I like those syllables. Right. It's just what happened. You yeah. know, I wasn't as secure in the process. I thought it was kind of silly because I didn't write, like, write right. on an sure. instrument. I, you know, I was, you know, putting myself down in that way. But in this way, I, I just accepted, you know, that's the way I do it. Other people can't do it this way. I'll just do it this way. Right. <laughs> you know? And accept it. And once I did, it, it was way easier, actually, to once I had that melodic idea to actually just be like, okay, what what words would I want with this and try to do it immediately when I'm recording it. And that's just makes it easier. And then usually the core of the song comes out of what I'm thinking already, kind of like what any songwriter would be writing about mm-hmm. what they're feeling or thinking or, you know, reading at the time. It, it just would come out naturally without me really having to put my mind well, all over it. Yeah, yeah. Jane is plugged in. Like it's down, yeah. it's downloaded. It, like, no, that's she incredible. She gets fucking downloads. Yeah, and they, just, poof, they pop out. Yeah, I don't and have it is to. Incredible. That's think amazing. About it. Usually, yeah. which when I'm alone, you know, I'll just hum or whatever things to myself, and that's what comes out. And then what helps a lot, which I have a problem with, is finishing those ideas or maybe putting them in like a concrete arrangement, or knowing what lies underneath them. Right. Like I don't have. And I'm like, what? I have baseline ideas, but usually chordal things are harder for me. But baselines are usually the first thing I think of, and a lot of my melodies become baselines. But Ian has a great way of finishing those ideas, and then it becomes a song. Yeah. Yeah. I was not thinking about those phrases. Those are just what came out with the melody that was accompanying them. (laughs) I I think what you mentioned before about uh, your friend Aaron saying, oh, nobody writes, nobody's writing this, is to me, you know, what I hear when you say that is I have a hard time finding music now or hearing music on the radios with complete melodies. Hmm. We seem to have fallen into this pattern where people write a four beat melody, you know, maybe a bar or two bars at most. Yeah. Their melody ends and then they recycle it another two times. And right. like there's your verse. Yeah. But a melody will... will convey emotion a beautifully written articulate melody will develop you know it'll start in one place and it goes and it goes and it goes and even though it may be longer than two bars a three bar melody or a four bar melody it's if it's written properly it'll still be just as catchy as a one bar melody right yeah 
and we seem to have lost the ability. They're nowhere to be found. But when Jane downloads a melody, <laughs> she, they're long, articulate, beautiful melodies yeah. that take you places. Usually we, very circular as well. They loop sure. in onto themselves. Yes. Right. But it's just like, it's something that you would definitely find in classical music. You definitely find it in, say, Be- Beatles music, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You, you, yeah. Oh, there it goes. Oh, nice and funny. Every beer we've opened today has fizzed <laughs> way over. Yeah. Feels like I'm shotgunning it. Okay. You know, and I don't know whether all of anybody who enjoys our music has uh, intellectualized it on that level, but I'm I'm certain that that's what's happening. You know. Yeah. I mean, one of the melodies that you know people seem to call out to us a lot is like, uh, say the like baptism. You know, it's like. Right. That's a that that's a four bar melody. Yeah. Right. And you're not going to, f- like, I want to hear it other places, but I don't hear it. And right. you don't either, because well, they're, they're not there. Well, they've documented that as well in pop charts, like in the top billboard, that they yeah. uh, there's shortened uh, melodic forms. Like, I've seen loads of videos yeah. about that. Like, kind of like, even though, you know, I love Billie Eilish, but like, you know, her, it's not very melodic. It's more like um, hmm. rhythmic or, you know, I, I'm not really sure what, but it doesn't, that's not the meat of the song is like the melody of it. I am also not a musician. Sure. Uh, but you pick up what we're saying. Right? Yeah, but this I pick up what like... you're saying. I And I don't think I can solve this in the room today, but do you think that that comes from the way music is written and captured today? Like the way technology... 100%. I think the technology, as it gets democratized and anybody can make music now, you know? Right. Like it's like... It's easy to self-produce your own music now, just because everyone can get GarageBand or whatever. Not everybody, or but or you can I, more people can right, get absolutely. I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, or like just beat loops and stuff. Correct. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I need a basis for my song. I will get this loop, and that's my song. Yeah. I also think that mm-hmm. because well, where I'm going with the fits into that nicely, but it's like it's easy to make something sonically sound good because of the technology. Yeah. You can download a beat, and it sounds pretty sick. You think that your job is done. Right. Meanwhile, you haven't finished writing the music. And right. because music now sound like the music being produced nowadays, everything sounds fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. But the what's being written is shit. <laughs> like plain and simple. How do you feel about it? Like, like, <laughs> like people aren't doing their due diligence to finish, you know, right. to refine. Is that a I pro the, or a con for you, though? I think it's a con because but, but, everybody but it suffers. sets twin apart. Yeah, but every, but uh, it's not about us. It's about the you know like I want to put on the radio and hear a song I fall in love with, and that's hard. <laughs> Honestly, right. I think we're only making music because we want to hear music we like, and yeah. we have to make it ourselves. I've always wondered that. Do you listen to your own music? Yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, I we, you we, should. We, we write the songs we want to hear. Yeah, I think you should. I have always yeah. wondered that about musicians, mm-hmm. or be, just being a musician in general, mm-hmm. like. Do you put your own CD on? Like, do you feel weird about it or just yeah. put it on? No, it's no obviously weirdness. stuff no. that you like. I love Twin. No weirdness yeah, at Twin all. Yeah, Twin is awesome. It's fucking I'm glad great, to hear man. it from Twin, and, that it's great. And, like, yeah, it's about refinement. And I yeah. think, like, not enough people are thinking about refinement. It's not enough to write something and say, oh, that's good. Let me put it over a beat. It's like, no, rewrite it, rewrite it again, rewrite it a third, fourth, and a fifth time yeah. until you have carved a... a fucking diamond right you know yeah and like we made sure that all 10 songs on this album had depth yes. and diversity yeah. to them it shows and if we had just 
taken the first idea that came and then said that okay that's good enough it sonically sounds great okay we're done yeah like it wouldn't be the record it is i think it's an awesome record it is an awesome record i think iteration is really hard i think we could probably also talk about this for hours and hours but iteration is hard because you have to throw things away yeah correct oh yeah yeah, a lot away so much away yeah and that, that that was definitely hard for me at the beginning and i think we went through a lot of breakthroughs through starting writing this batch of songs um, because it would maybe, you know, hurt my ego a little bit. Sure. If, if I came up with something, I was like, oh, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like, even if I'm say- the one saying it, if someone else isn't, like, I'm like, oh, that's not really good enough. I think I can make something better yeah. or, a, you know, a better melody or a catchier melody. And being able to look at your own work like that to make it better mm-hmm. is, uh, I think, the most important skill in order to even do that. Yeah. Because that's what limits you from looking at it. Yeah. You know? Editing is the worst. Yeah. And, it's so but hard. But now I've come to love it. Yeah, I love, <laughs> yeah. I love it so much. And now that's my favorite part about it is like, does the stand up and is it like a couple of weeks later, do I still like this yeah. melody? And if I don't, okay, I can run a new one. Yeah. You know, it's are, in my control. Are you a baseball fan? Uh, I mean, I'm aware of it. Do you know who Branch Rickey is? Nope. Okay, Branch Rickey is the man who brought uh, Jackie Robinson to the Dodgers. Okay. Okay, and integrated baseball. But before that, back up, it was probably in the 20s or 30s, he, he developed the farm system right. for the St. Louis Cardinals. So he was an innovator. But one of his big things was that there's quality and quantity. And the idea of having a farm system is that you would have a wider pool to choose your talent from. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So... When we were writing these songs, we said there's quality and quantity. So we just wrote as much as we could. Yeah. Right? Without being precious about it. Like, make 20 songs. or We have way more ideas than just the 20. But it's like... And then we were able to say, okay, there, there's 10. You know, we'll take the 10. Yeah. I love that you yeah. just use that as a metaphor. That's great. We're baseball fans, but... Uh, what? No, it just no, makes it's me great. happy. Yeah. yeah. That's it. It's a great metaphor. Everyone sure. should know who Brand Trick is. He helped into great baseball. And that's an excellent thing as well, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So how do you're talking about the melodies and the we're we're still on one stop shop for right. a fading revolution. Uh how do the here. lyrics come to you in this? You're saying that you have like kind of sounds that you like that fit within the melody, but but this song feels like I mean it's poignant. Like um, yeah, to me, I uh, yeah, it's pointing to me as well. But I think when it's happening, you you don't you don't have to get in your head with like this is going to be a poignant song. Sure, like that's only going to ruin it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> with those two phrases that came naturally with the rhythmic and like syllabic. Yeah, uh, melody that I like like that it had syllables attached to it and that's just what happened because I think that's what I was feeling at the time mm-hmm. it's like a subconscious download rather than having to use my stupid brain you know that doesn't know much you know brains get in the way and like yep. that logical thinking can be um, not helpful all the time when it comes to art. So I think my subconscious tells me what I'm feeling anyway. And those are all the things that I'm feeling about now with, you know, digital age, making art in the digital age, yeah. but, you know, the art and commerce thing that you brought up earlier, like that, you know, it doesn't feel like we're going in a great direction. Um, so that those are all the feelings that came out naturally through that melody. Yeah. All right. I love it. 
That's fantastic. And usually, like, Jane has, I remember when we were sitting, like, you had your notebook, and mm. you're kind of, like, singing, you'll write down what you're hearing, and I'm adjacent to you with my notebook, yes. writing down what I yeah. think you're saying. Ian's a great editor in that way that, like, can help, like, is this line telling it, you know, concisely enough, which is sure. also a editing process. Mm. Yeah. I remember really reworking the bridge melody, which is the uh, yeah. uh, the one shot. And we like, we, I remember just sitting there like going over it mm-hmm. over and over and over again, trying to get it right. And I remember when I finally like cracked the code. Yeah, that it was like the bridge was your child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking thing. It was so good. It's amazing. I am thankful for your insight on that. Let's move along to Ha Ha Home. I do want to talk about art and commerce really bad, but I also want to get through all 10 tracks. So we're, we'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. Ha Ha Home. the one you released well before yeah. mm-hmm. you knew anything was going to happen with a record. Uh, you said December? Is that right? Yeah. Of 21? Yeah. yeah, it was because we were like, oh, nobody will be releasing music around Christmas. And they weren't, we and it was helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the only thing yeah. out there. It's all Christmas music <laughs> and yeah. best of lists. Yeah. So good on and you. It kind of has some Christmas themes, you know, talking about Going home. home. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, what, how did, what was the recording process for this? It uh, was obviously early. Inception of this pretty well because it started with a big i wanted to put an acoustic guitar because we didn't really use a lot of acoustic on the first record i remember when we were writing at ballroom which was our friend nate who we mentioned earlier nate and max they they had this place ballroom and uh i wanted to put an acoustic guitar and do an open tuning and get as big open of a chord as i possibly could and that's how that acoustic guitar thing started and then you the first thing you sang over it was no 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 that's actually you're misremembering (laughs) yes you are because i was looking through my i only know this actually because i was looking through my memos combing for the next album and i have one from 2018 that's ha ha home me and drums and ha ha home so the the melodic one of home i'm coming home so so that that whole thing was just a melody no shit yeah I know. Okay, Hard so to then we just put the two Proved things together. Exactly. Okay. I know. And I have no idea how the chorus came to be. I kept on trying to think of it, but I have no I idea. Can't, I don't remember writing mm. that. <laughs> don't know. Yeah, Couldn't tell you. That's great. <laughs> I love it. No yeah, and that was happened. great. There's a lot of like cool sound effects in that and rewinding tape machines and like kids laughter and shit. And that was just fun. Well, yeah, I think that was, was finally getting in the sounds and the textures that we wanted on the first album that we were, for many different reasons, not able, didn't have the tools or right. didn't have the permission, whatever you want to call it. Weren't we're not able to do, to do yeah. that on the first mm, record. A lot of this record is what we wanted to do on the first record, but weren't able to. Interesting. Well, I mean, it kind of, I don't know if you would agree or not, but it feels like the band sound evolved from the first record. And maybe that's because you were not allowed to do what you wanted on the first record. I think that's true. And we also had two other people in the band who we were had to accommodate, yes. which is what it felt like at the time. Right. That when we changed things, God we, bless our souls. we got sure backlash. Yeah. More, yeah. more opinions. <laughs> yeah. Is, more cooks in the kitchen yeah. is always Twine harder. is not a democracy. And I, we <laughs> argue that no band can be. 
Yeah. I think that's probably it's true. Better as a brutal dictatorship. <laughs> yeah, but there's two of you that are the brutal dictators. So, but at least yeah. we have skill sets that don't. Yeah. If I was another guitarist with my own same process, yeah. I think we might have a problem. But I think we fill in the mm-hmm. gaps for each other. True. That's that's fair. So that's ha ha home. That's ha ha home. It sounds like this was part of the demoing process, and you just you sure. said it was the one that just hit the best. Yeah, at the ha time. ha home is very similar to the demo. If you heard the demo, it's really just mm-hmm. like a a less sonically pleasing version of the final product. More lo-fi. Yeah, didn't know the techniques uh, every, quite yet. I didn't know how to gain stage or anything, so everything was recorded super loud and crunchy, like you know. So, it's so just, it sounds the, kind of punk. But where like, all the flourishes come from that you want to do? Are these like field recordings that you have? Are these just like oh, we need kids recordings? I'll go find some interesting kids uh, recordings. They're just like, ideas. They're just ideas, yeah. and then you know executing them. I mean, I'm like, a, I'm a big. You're a Beatles of, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's just like Flutes, trying to Mellotrons. Yeah, yeah. Trying to incorporate those sounds. It just feels very intuitive. But, I always wonder about arrangements yeah. because as a non-musician, yeah. I'm sort of like, how in the world do you think of that? Yeah. Like, I know it's just right. ideas and there's yeah. there's epiphanies and things come to you, yeah. but it's... Uh, but when you react to what's already, you know, the core of it, the meat of it, and you yeah. just hear it over and over again, you're <laughs> yeah. like, well, I want to hear this there. I, wanna, I want right. this little line 100%. here. And uh, another theme during COVID when we were building the van, we were getting into all the music we loved growing up, and we noticed that a, a kind of... S- a theme of a lot of the music we liked growing up is that there's this factor in the music where you're not sure whether you hate it or love it. It kind of confuses you. It kind of straddles a line. You kind of don't know where to put this band that you love from your youth. You know, you're like, on one hand, it's good. On another hand, they're singing like they're, you know. You're talking about ex- him. I'm talking about him, <laughs> Blink-182, like whatever. I was going to say, like, our youths might be different. Is, for sure, yeah. for sure. <laughs> but him, his infernal Early majesty. Early 2000s music yeah. where you're like, this, I, I can't tell whether I hate it or love it. And so, for instance, on Ha Ha Home, like there's some guitar lines and stuff that I really wasn't sure if I wanted to put in because it was straddling that line where an automation when we get to that that's dead on what mm-hmm. that song is about is just like I kind of want to confuse the listener and make them kind of scratch this be like I, is this hip or is it yeah, like, really is corny cool? yeah. is it yeah. do I like it or do I hate it and like I think if we can meet people there it's an interesting place to be yeah for sure right I just hated yeah. Blink-182 at that time. For sure. Oh, biggest... <laughs> but you got to remember, yeah, I was yeah. in college. Right, like, right. Not great for women either. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was 10, yeah. 12, 13. Yeah, I'm like 21. Yeah. I'm like, this yeah. is awful. Horrible, yeah. <laughs> but I listened to my fair share of yeah. horrible music yeah. when I was just a few years prior to sure, that. Yeah. It all, it's all sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all happened. Exactly, man. Uh, I do love the lyrics to this one. I love the lyrics to most of the record. I think there's some really interesting themes that run throughout it. I'm curious if that's intentional or if it couldn't have been intentional because you didn't have the plan at the beginning like if ha ha home feels just like i mean there's lyrics in here about like maybe the emptiness of home but also longing for it and like Mm. and that sort of like interpersonal relationships like how did that come to be as a theme through the record if the record didn't really have a shape i I think it's just living your life like because that's what any artist is writing about that's all they know right so throughout all the years that we were making these little so- like recordings that later became songs, that's what we were thinking and feeling at the time. So I, I remember coming up with that melody 
only through the memo and then it brought back the, the you know where we were and it was you know we were living in this recording studio house mm-hmm. after moving out of our yeah out, out of our yeah, actual home because our yeah. friends max and nate were were so kind kind enough to let um us crash. and you know yeah. we would kind of just cook a lot and you know keep things tidy in exchange and we didn't have an actual home and like what what that meant of what we even wanted because i don't even think we wanted a home base at that point yeah that's why we were aiming towards the van but uh just what it means so lovely yeah mm. i don't I, the the theme of the record is just we got lucky i guess that all the songs were <laughs> well, like that they well, do just fit about together, what we're so thinking well. about yeah. you know they were thinking yeah. a lot of yeah like, what documentaries we're watching you know i think like, that's a fair assessment like yeah. it's a, your life so your life is cohesive, so of course the record's cohesive. Sure, yeah, yeah. But a lot of bands don't get that lucky. A lot of bands will write ten songs, oh. and you're like, "Oh, what are these five songs <laughs> well, about?" They just want to get laid. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of like yeah. insinuating it's almost like concepty, and it's in its. It in feels the, conceptual. Like yeah. yeah, it does feel conceptual. I, it feels yeah. very much conceived. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, but it, it feels to me, it feels like it was conceived, but very much on the subconscious level. Mm-hmm. It was never like a master plan for us. Right. But it's it's happening. You know, like what documentaries we're watching or what books we're reading, like all that shit tends to, you know. It comes out in different ways. Yeah. 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 Like Brooklyn Bridge, that's because we watch a lot of Ken Burns documentaries. Yeah. So like we were watching the documentary on the Brooklyn Bridge. And right. then that, that was one of his first that was one of his first documentaries. And like and Jane just started singing it one day and it was fucking gorgeous. And I knew exactly what she was going for because we just watched a documentary. <laughs> so like there was this beautiful metaphor in yeah. the Brooklyn Bridge. But we'll get to Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah, we'll get to all right. D- dignitary life. Yeah. Ah. Let's Well, this is an old one of Ian's from his old band. Yeah, we're about to spill some beans here on your podcast. Yeah, let's no spill. This is, a re- this is a recycled track, people. actually. In some, like, not, there's yeah. new parts that were added, especially yeah. the vocals. Um, but um, right. Ian had a song called... The, yeah, the foundation of the track was had already been recorded in a previous band of mine. And it was, like, on our breakup record. So there's a version Drama. of Dignitary Life <laughs> called... Actually, I ain't even gonna say the name. Now I'll let people dig yeah, for it. We'll dig for it. Yeah, because it is. Yeah, it's yeah. up there. Yeah, it's out. But but uh, if people can somehow find my old band, which <sighs> is very much available on the internet, and this is a real yeah, sleuthing yeah, exercise. Yeah, yeah. I like it, and I will solve it this weekend. <laughs> it's gonna be great. Somebody's bound to. <laughs> so there, yeah. There's a track, and mo- like the chorus is there, the hook is there. A lot of the chords are very similar. But I knew that I wanted more out of this song because yeah, it didn't get good. the life that it yeah. deserved in my, in my old band. So when I, I, when I told Jane, like, hey, I want to do this, and I started like, kind of, like, demoing it out. And then, she, like, Jane started... I remember, like, the first thing, she she just came right out with, like, dignitary life. You know, yeah, like, that, that came, came like, right fucking one piece. I was like, dignitary life? What the fuck is that? <laughs> and then, like, and then we just worked it. I remember with you working that verse melody over and over again. That's a great example of a complete melody. Yeah. It doesn't just repeat itself. It's like it has a whole arc through the verse, but it's still catchy as hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And listening to a lot of Oasis at the time, which yeah. helped. Uh, yeah. 
big fan. Yeah. Yeah. Us too. So just wanted a, a really like easy, big rock song. Crowd groove rocking in an yeah. arena song. Yeah. Yeah. And that one does it well, I think. I like hearing that you had that in mind when you write it. Because you do hear songs that, that yeah, kind yeah. of feel like, oh, this one yeah. is meant for live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it works yeah. great in this mm-hmm. stu- as a studio recording, mm-hmm. but it yeah. will blossom yeah, once yeah. it's played live yeah. for sure. It's very fun live. Yeah. It's cool that you know that going in. Like mm-hmm. as you're crafting it, you're like, oh yeah, this one's gonna be good. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Like we don't that. always do that. A lot of times it's more just kind of like stream. Just whatever happens happens. Mm-hmm. But that that one and maybe that's just because it had existed in a previous incarnation but like um yeah there was intentionality behind that one cool well i hope your old bandmates aren't upset about it but fuck (laughs) them all right moving on to automation Can you tell me about automation? Uh, vocal line first. It was mm. going to be called There's a Place first because it started out with There is a place. Oh, I can tell you what you want. <laughs> and it was very, um, I like uh, a lot of 70s and 80s funk. And I feel like it has a very heavy funk. I like the sillier funk too. Like a cartoony. Cartoony yeah. stuff going on. You're like Parliament. So it's very silly. Sure. Um, but Boots, it's, Bootsy's always a good time. Yeah. It's always hilarious. For sure. <laughs> so I, um, that's where that line came from. Mm-hmm. And then it was just the difficulty of how, as us twin, are going to pull off whatever the hell this melody is. Yeah. So uh, that was started with the bass line, obviously, because that's the only way you well, can do it. Well, you just, you, I remember you singing to me, this was again at Ballroom, and it was written at the same time as Haha, as the foundations oh. of Haha Home. It was yeah, like the same writing that. session. We did both of them. But it was like, Jane just goes, there is a place. And I just played that on the bass. Boom, 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 boom. boom. And I just like like the rubbery, cartoony bass line, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of just slides around. Mm-hmm. But this is one where I was like, this doesn't sound cool. This is not cool. This doesn't sound yeah. hip with like what is... Uh, what a hip rock band this wouldn't play in a coffee shop yeah yeah. like no Uh, this isn't playlist material (laughs) it's cartoony as hell i think of it in the same vein as the song from our first record called high on the or called honey Honey smacks Smacks. (laughs) and like uh i like that our band is able to do a song like automation but also a song like whatever pick anyone because they're nothing alike right and they could be completely different bands and it's a diversity that i don't see a single other band now that Mm. has it and then I always I forget where the bridge came from, but I'm sure it's when we were writing last summer with all the rest of them and demoing it. Yeah. Because yeah, I'm really that... very proud of the bridge because yeah. I so like the, the lyrical content. That's a good that example because you came up with the verse and chorus melody first, but I came up with the bridge first and then you wrote to that. Yeah. So we kind of swapped. Flip-flopping. Yeah. Flip-flopping. Yeah. yeah. So I, just like, I just yeah. love the, the sentiment of that song probably the most on the record, like the, mm. the content of it, because that's what pre-pandemic during pandemic and coming out of pandemic is what I think we at least politically or 
you know, feel about the world the most is, you know, we were big Andrew Yang fans yeah. when he was running, um, you know, about the tech and how it, it you know, interferes with technology, like with uh, po- politics yeah. and the way things are. Information is. You're in a safe place. Far, I'm far left guy. Over here, yeah. You know, sure. Like yeah, it's yeah. just there's a lot of things that I think I've, I've even it's hard to even talk about because I feel like I've let go because it was so like yeah. I had my hopes up so high yeah. and they were crushed so low. So now I'm, I'm very <laughs> pessimistic, but I did have hope at one time yeah. <laughs> and I, I saw a lot of really good ideas of uh, how you could you know, turn these things in the right direction. And honestly, I think we're past that, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you could at least, at least know, I think what would have helped, but yeah. I mean, I think politics are a fucking huge boat and they just take forever to, to move. Yeah. Like to yeah. turn something around takes sometimes a lifetime. Yeah. And it's really frustrating yeah. as someone living in that lifetime. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. like multiple lifetimes. Like yeah. how is gay marriage just recently? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah you know? it's crazy. Like it's insane. Yeah. But yeah. but even just how things are done and I think that's why we liked Andrew Yang so much. Yeah. It's just like the organization of the system itself that we refuse to uh, redo, which I think everyone on both sides could agree yeah. upon and I think that's where that automation kind of, you know, comes from is like things that everyone feels that we for some reason can't change yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. i mean like i know there's people out there that will laugh at us and give a shit because they did when we when we expressed any yeah, interest we... in andrew yang <laughs> but what what jane and i got out of that was that there was like not like his whole mentality was kind of like a non-acceptance of the shit that you're handed and a problem solver's mentality and a very holistic problem solver's mentality where you can do something new, Mm. you can do something different. You know, a lot of times problems are created because you have bad incentives or no incentives and that if you change your incentives, you can fix problems, you know? So it's like, it was a very... Well, Without I would rhetoric, call a holistic view, no identity, and people would like he- it's just about people would hear right. his little his you know his universal basic income thousand bucks a month or whatever and like hey but shoot we all it got down. it in the pandemic and that's the only reason why yeah. we were able to do the things that we were able to do yeah, so I right. think we felt that in a yeah, real right. way yeah yeah I think he has a ton of great ideas yeah. undeniably yeah right, right right no politician is perfect yeah exactly. And he's like, not perfect, he should, but well, he has well, a lot no, of great no. ideas. Yeah, right. And I'm not saying the guy should be no. fucking president, but I'm saying We're I love all these fucking this point, ideas, yeah. and it kind of revolutionized my approach to how I look at problem-solving issues. Yeah. You know? More so than Bernie Sanders did. Yeah. Okay, anyway, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> automation. That was automation. <laughs> all right. Uh, Fortune 500. No, it is, but yeah. I can't remember. I don't remember. How Fortune it... 500 was a song called Change the Rules, also <gasps> right. written at Ballroom. Okay, yeah, that's by Max what it and is. Nate. Yeah, that was a whole other song that I think actually was kind of. It not had a whole cool different set of lyrics. It was a little too moody. It was different too set of melodramatic. Yep. And then, um, we... Same music, mm-hmm. entirely different vocals and lyrics. So <laughs> uh, Jane and I rewrote that multiple, multiple until you came up with Fortune 500. Yeah, and that's the, I guess, yeah. uh, 
you know an example of the editing process is like mm-hmm. i had you know this music that i like these chords these like you know rhythms things that ian was bringing and i had written something for it but i was like you know what actually this isn't i don't like this like i especially with time like it didn't hold up at yeah. all so i was like okay all of that gone wow. completely in the bin we're gonna i'm gonna now react to this piece of music like it's the first time i've ever heard it what is the best way? did you develop that skill you think like how can you how can you take that stance of like I'm going to forcibly listen to this with fresh ears? Um, I don't know. Really I don't play question. an instrument. I don't play an instrument. So I guess so I'm you just, knew the song completely, and I sometimes you know wow. I hear the other melodies, and that sometimes is like a bad thing because I I. I, there's I forget what song it was, but I would sometimes get confused of the old melody and the yeah, new one. Yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, that happens sometimes because that hap- I do that a lot where I'll, I'll be like, actually, this melody isn't good enough. But, uh, you know, I don't really know. It's just I mean that of- as a compliment, by the okay. way. That's an incredible yeah, yeah. skill to be able to... Like, if I'm doing graphic design, uh, I feel it's sort of similar. You, like, iterate on something, and it's very hard to be like, okay, I hate these ideas that I did. Let's do something new. But it's like you're looking at the same canvas, and it's yeah. like how, uh, right? <laughs> how am I gonna do something it's very new? perceptive. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, I, yeah. I relate to that too. Doing design as well, I I don't know. With music, it's easier. I feel like there's a part of my brain's in the dark about it. Oh, that's awesome! I remember when you came up like at uh, at the bridge. It goes Fortune 500. You yeah, know where the that, title that phrase came in. out. And uh, but that was originally the first line in the song. Yes, you know the the beat kicks in, jump jump jigga jump, Fortune five hundred, and we felt like that was coming on too strong. Way too like strong. To, to have that be the first because we line did it live. Was, I think like, for cheesy. a whole yeah. for a whole tour, oh, right, um, actually yeah. just to try it out, and we were like, ooh, people don't understand what is happening yeah. here. On the nude party tour, we did it, and it was getting weird. It was vibes, like very yeah. like I don't know, like theatrical. Like yeah. if you it's, can see me like doing jazz, jazz hands right yeah. now, like it, and it didn't really work. So then that was another rewrite where I was like okay that's got to be now like the core of the song or the chorus and i need to write a new verse melody to set you up for that that isn't as melodically intense yeah and we were doing that until here you go this is a glimpse behind the curtain we were at we were staying at uh, a dog sit we were dog sitting for somebody which one the one with ollie ollie's oh, a really such a cute good one. We, oh yeah uh, that late for? Yeah, because that that's where you got the marble counters, and you oh. said marble and gold and rings. <laughs> gold maybe. rings, yeah, I know. So like that, yeah. that's how that first, you know, it was like oh, a yeah. boomer house. It was like their retirement yeah, home. Yeah, it was really it was nice. Kinda like oh, like we spent a lot of know. time in nice houses that aren't ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. That is that. Yeah, that came together pretty late then. So that's yeah. like I don't even know four to five iterations of that song. But I, I'm really really happy with how it came out. And a lot of people bring that one up, even though it wasn't a single. And it's you know it's hard to say when people listen to the album which ones they'll be like I love this one. Right. But a lot of people have said Fortune 500, and I get why because the ending you really it climaxes with like the rounding core yeah. uh, vocal chorus. And I think and, it's yeah. funny that when when um you're saying something almost sarcastically like the uh, the good job you are the best <laughs> you made it to the top like it's kind of sarcastic but it actually still works yeah. to make you feel that way of like yeah good job like right. yeah like I want to be told a good job even if it is in a sarcastic voice right it's yeah. like it's I, I feel it too when we when mm-hmm. I listen to it words have power in that yeah. way it is one of the beautiful things where we didn't necessarily expect that one to be a fan favorite but you you get surprised and yeah. that one is kind of turning out to be a fan did favorite. you work out any of these other songs on tour like mm-hmm. have prior iterations where you're like oh we have been playing this but we want it to be different um, i don't remember 
Yeah, I don't expect you to remember every set you played. We have it written down in a spreadsheet. <laughs> well, nice. I, well, may, I don't. I don't think so. I think uh, that might be the only one. Yeah, because we didn't know. And Maybe sweet dreams only... in the parking lot. Oh yeah. But I think now that they're released, and the other thing too is that we haven't played a lot of shows since it's been released. So when people know it, they react much better to it than if they they're hearing it for the first time. Right. Which wow. is a very yeah. new experience for us as a band in general. Because we toured much more before we had any recorded music than yeah. we have after. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, the future yeah. is going to be very interesting mm-hmm. for you on your yeah. next tour. Mm. Let's go with Feeling in Love from the Waist Down. Ah. Tell me all you can tell me. Uh, this was a song from music. college, oh. from our first band when we first met. Yeah. Oh, which one? Many years ago. Oh yeah, my uh, college band, which was very silly. That was the first, like how I got into music. Dorm um, room rockers. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people, you know, no one was going to music school. We had a, a violist, not a violin, a viola, and um, it was very fun, very silly. And I don't even remember what song. I it was. just remember there there was a melody from that. Because I was playing bass and it was do 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 do. It was that bass line that I oh, came up with yes, when yes, we were yes. probably nineteen or twenty. And like uh, we were just revisiting old pieces of music, and I remembered this melody. We were harvesting. I view it as like yeah. organ transplant yeah. <laughs> style. Like we were like, I know this part of the song's good, so I'm gonna just get rid of everything else and yeah. build it upon this. And that and the riff that the riff that do 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 That used to be a, over a major key progression, but then we put it over the minor key bass line. And that's what the viola was doing. Yeah, I remember we wrote that in Portsmouth, New Hampshire at my, uh, when we were visiting my cousin Megan. And bringing yeah. it back, Blink-182 was, you know, being played out on the a speaker. new way to smile. <laughs> being played a lot, so that's what came out. I was like, it's got to be like that. And yeah. it came out even way whinier than how it ended wow. up. Um, so I had to reel it back a little bit because <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to hate it later. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. I love the call and response uh, vocal lines in this one. I mean, I just, I think that appears a lot throughout the record, not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, is that just having fun uh, or is there like narration and like a point to... Wait, like the call and response and like the good God, like yeah, those? Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's having fun. I guess so. But I've, I've, I sometimes that's a fault because I fill in the melody too much and don't leave enough space. And I think that's where those come from, where the like little tags or little things. And usually they don't have words attached yeah. to them, but these did because they were fun. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, I remember the good God because I was thinking of James Brown. Where you go, good yeah. God. Yeah. And I, yeah. Like, and God. I wasn't even and thinking hoorah. about that at the time. Hoorah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's also like shit, right? Isn't there like a no? Just that's oh, that's right. on board. That's on board. You, oh, but like yeah. throughout the record, there's other like shit. Yeah, like, yeah other yeah. low. Well, I can go low. I might as well go there. Yeah, I I don't know what it was about this song. There had been multiple singles. I think this is the last thing you released prior to the the album being out. Yeah. Yes. And from from my experience, I was already like, okay, I love the singles. These are mm-hmm. great. The videos are great. And then this was out, and I was like, this record's gonna be insane mm-hmm. because it. 
to me, everything that I know about the record release cycle is like, what are your three strongest songs? Yeah, right, right, Put right. those three strongest songs out. We could out not and, pick. And then put an album I out. I think any one of these songs could have been singles. No, yeah, I, I agree. could have been Shania Twain about it and put out ten singles. <laughs> oh, that would have been know? fun. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But it's pretty rare, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, you know, me complimenting you again. But it was just mm-hmm. sort of like, holy shit, is this... Yeah. Does this stop? How is there a fourth song mm. that is a single that mm. is like an introduction to a band? Like this feels yeah. like a song that you would put out right away to mm. be like, look how awesome we are. Mm. Like this is a great yeah. song, but it was your fourth yeah. single and mm-hmm. like right before the record came out. Yeah, only a month or something. <laughs> yes, you're you're great. I like your attitude about it. It's good. Uh, you gotta believe in yourself. Or like, what's the point? You do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, uh, Long Throat. melody started with the dreams the very unearthly yeah. note and a little bit more you know melodramatic old very old i think 2017 probably yeah. and it was just hard to know what to do with it but then i think i don't know something about the baseline yeah you know made it a little bit baseline, more strutty yeah. a little bit more like rhythmic which was the beauty of doing it it, it felt like starting over again and doing a lot of things that i couldn't do before because a lot of the melodies are very, they need to be supported by the right type of groove or mm-hmm. rhythm, or it makes me feel like I'm singing it wrong. I don't know how to describe it. That would yeah. happen a lot yeah. of the times in our first iteration when we thought it was a democracy. So like I would bring a melody to the table, but then it would be completely changed by like, you know, what the drummer wanted to do. And I was like, oh, like now whatever I'm singing sounds very not good with what you're playing. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it right. sounds wrong. And now I want to write a new melody on top of what you right. did. But I'm like, but the melody I, I had was really good. Right. So like, why can't we just make that work better? Right. You know, have that starting place to honor- that. the song that if you're not honoring the song then well, you're supporting what it. you're bringing yeah. to the table rather than like completely just overhauling well, it every right that sounds like a vicious cycle yeah right. yeah right? what are you gonna do when are you gonna finish a song right. i don't know um so this was very freeing because with a freaky melody like what's on long throat it needed to be supported in the right type of groove or beat and yeah. we did that by cycling through a bunch of grooves and beat like a bunch of beat loops because you know we didn't have a drummer with us or anything and there's millions available to you so we went through so many different ones and then ian tried different bass lines with them and then that's how that came Yeah, there were multiple demos of this that are very different though it's the same song and the same key and everything but it's like we this we struggled with this one and i remember we have gotten a lot of nice compliments on the production on this one probably more than any other song and there was a concept behind the production in that in each different section of the song you would be walking into a different room so in other words like the intro drums had to have a different flavor Mm. than the first drums different than the chorus drums different than the bridge drums you know so if you listen to it like um there's many different sonic things happening but it's all anchored by a repetitive bass line right so it does you don't feel like you're getting fatigued or that you don't have something to hang on to there's yeah. something very concrete to hang on to but meanwhile the scenery is changing yeah you know so like 
it was great. Which I love you sometimes that can't do yeah, if right. you have the ego of a drummer in your, you know, sure, that you have yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. say, hey, this sure. needs to sound or, different. Or a mixing engineer. Like the fact that I didn't have to appeal to anybody to fucking do that and mix it that way. Right. It was fucking liberating. Well, I'm sure. Right. Or a label yeah. telling you, eh, yeah. a little yeah. too yeah. weird. Don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's great. I feel like your independence on this has really... It's, it, once again, it's proven to be quite an advantage yeah. in the whole thing. Indeed. It's great. Yeah. Uh, all right. You want to keep keep moving? Any more anecdotes there? All right. Sweet Let's dreams go. in the parking lot. This used to be a called a song called "Pretending," uh, yeah. but I I'm sure it was guitar based first because yeah, it's very complicated, sure. beautiful yeah. finger picky pastoral yeah. melody. And yeah, that's just like typical of the thing that you might find me if you stumbled upon. <laughs> He's me. a finger picker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I came up with that one a few years ago at my parents' house on New Year's morning. I think I was home visiting for Christmas. Oh, yeah, because it used to be called New Year's Eve or something. Yeah, I think it was called New Year's morning because that's when I came up with it. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, and it was great. It just kicked around for a long time. And then I accidentally kind of came across the bass line. It's a really hip bass line because the beat is displaced. Bum, bugger, ga-dum, bum, bum. Baga bum bum boom bum do do da do 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 That's a complete keep going. That's a complete version. Yeah, come on, it could have been easy to repeat the first time, the the first thing four times, but it developed. So and that used to be another song similar to Fortune 500, where I wrote something for it. I was like, this isn't good. So rewrote the whole thing. Wow, turned out better. I'm only singing because you got two beers in me. <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, but not sorry, because uh, yeah. I love that. Okay. That might be my new ringtone, what you yeah. just did. It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll keep going. We've yeah. been here for a minute, so yeah. I don't want to keep you too long. It's Brooklyn awesome. Bridge, I think this is one that I've seen cited as as like, I don't know, like a line in the sand is like something very different for the mm-hmm. band. Yeah, like yeah. Oh. you already gave us a little bit of background that this is a Ken Burns-inspired tale. Yeah. Uh, but... It is. It does feel different. It maybe feels a little more raw, a little more like uh, opening up yourself. Twin often feels like, please forgive me here, but like these alien musicians that are making Mm. this wonderful, beautiful music that's that's otherworldly, right? Mm. But this feels like bearing your humanity in a way that's just a lot more raw to me. To me. God, I hope I didn't say something offensive there. No, not at all. I kind of, I love that. Um, Yeah, I think the approach to lyric writing is not usually like out of, it's like conceptualizing personal things, but not actually like confessional style Mm -hmm. or details, you know, that maybe other people would mention in a song of like the sweater you wore, you know, like that kind of thing. I don't really do that. But um, 
this. Well, we had just gotten back from visiting old college friends in Boston. In Boston. Yeah, and Boston yeah. can be a little bit of a triggering place for both of us for different reasons. But um, we did have bands prior to this that broke up in dramatic fashions, yeah. very dramatic fashions. Friends, you know, friendships lost, you know, and I think that's why we're so adamant that like a band isn't a democracy because we've had the failures of that system mm-hmm. happen so like aggressively mm. of the confusion that when you're not talking about like, well, what are you, what am I expected to do and what are you doing or like who's, who's the boss here? Like, what are what's the going on? Yeah, yeah, what are the roles? What am I expected to do and what's, yeah, what's just what's going on? And if you don't talk about them, then your personal relationships of working on a creative project like that can just completely explode. Yeah. So when we go to Boston, all of those things kind of come up because we moved, you know, shortly after and that, that, you know, kind of, in a way wipes your memory you know you're in a different place with new people you can kind of forget about it and you know shelve it away for (laughs) trauma to to come back later um but that i think it was just about like not knowing how to let go of someone when you because we also have the kind of a different experience of other people where you know we move away a lot of people move away to different places but we tour so much so and we have since like moving from boston and we would be there every couple months yeah. you know so it's like oh okay hi like let's meet up or they would come to the show or like old people right you kind of are left in contact with people that maybe you wouldn't stay in touch with but they're there because you're there why would you not you know right. meet up with them yeah um, so it's like that line of when to cut a relationship off and when not to not really romantic but friendships which have usually been my most brutal things that have blown in my face mm-hmm. are friendships not romantic so that's where i feel the most yeah thank you <laughs> yeah that, that very much feels aligned with the sentiment of the song yeah and, and the you know just the emotion of the song yeah. well. i remember the conscious attempt when we were writing this to do like we were really i think fed up with being a indie psych rock shoegaze band you know <laughs> insert hyphenated sure. genre band yeah. and we were like we can write songs and melodies as good as anybody but it's probably not being communicated because everything's shrouded in chorus and reverb and we're like the stylistic being an indie choices cool band. yeah so we're like fuck it let's do let's write like the most main or I don't mean it in a negative way, but like, let's write a big song that anybody could sink their teeth into. Right. And like Brooklyn Bridge was like our first real attempt at that. And I remember rewriting it quite a few times before you came on Brooklyn Bridge. You oh, had yeah. A, you had a few iterations. Oh, yeah, for we, sure. we workshopped it for sure. Mm-hmm. That was a place. Yeah, and I'm super proud of that. That's an example of nailing a song sonically. All the tones came together so well, and I, I, there's nothing I want to change about it. You know, I could, right. you could, most of the time you don't hit it a hundred percent on. Yeah. But that one, I'm like, oh, the production, we fucking nailed it. That's great. So mm-hmm. I think it like it conveys what it needs. To yeah, do. and I think it definitely works exactly as what you're talking about. Yeah. Like I don't, I never thought of you as indie sure, psych yeah, rock yeah. shoegaze the band. blogs did you know maybe we own this town wrote about it in that sure, way yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i do not want to go want to go back and look but yeah. it's so it's it's very easy to throw a band into a genre yeah, yeah. you know like you got to classify it somehow if you're yeah, writing right. about it or talking mm-hmm. about it like you have to give people touch points you have to give people mm-hmm. like an anchor yeah where are you coming from with this oh they're a psych rock band and then that immediately becomes like well, not really. Yeah, like, right. like, awestruck and this, definitely not. Yeah, I right. would never call that a psych rock band. Yeah, right. I might have. 
Yeah, but sure, I would sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, call yeah, that yeah. a psych rock mm-hmm. band. But a lot, yeah, a lot of people. Um, yeah, it's like I don't even think of like Tame Impala as a psych rock band. Yeah, right. Like it's, it's in there, but it's not. People just write words on to yeah. paper and well, you, it's their because laptop. of this anchor, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And as like music reviewers and that whole realm, you have to come from this place of giving someone commonality yeah, right. and it it often oversimplifies bands yeah, yeah. in a bad way mm-hmm. it's maybe a little lazy yeah, like yeah. Oh, i do this constantly and i call myself out for it constantly but the whole idea of recommended if you like like sure oh, yeah, oh yeah. like if you what does twin sound like well if you like boom 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 yeah, yeah. then you'll like them mm-hmm. like and that immediately like creates this little prison for yeah, um, right, right, right. expectations mm-hmm. yeah but I think what this, are you gonna do? This song yeah. helps. I don't see a way out. Yeah, you know, bust out of that and yeah. like break out of that and, and evolve. And it's it's nice to hear that you did that intentionally. Yeah, yeah. a lot of George Harrison <laughs> slide moments on that too. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So. Can can never beat that. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, uh, last one. Bore you. But if it's up to me to hide shit, then I'll be. oldest one i would argue yeah because we were playing that back in i don't even know what 2018 2017 and i remember specifically in a florida storage unit playing that song it's on youtube (laughs) yeah on all of our florida tours we would play that um that was a vocal melody um similar almost in the way of like automation where it was this kind of this like funky vocal melody not knowing what to do with but that was all the way back when we were a, a four-piece, theoretically, yeah. um, and that we had kind of brought that song together. And a lot of that stayed, but then um, I tried... I think it was coming... The The message of the song is a lot of insecurities, I would say, mm-hmm. and I didn't feel that way anymore, and I had overcome a lot of those things by the time that we finished it, but it is such like a fun, crowd-pleasing song because of the beat and the groove. So I was like, how do I make this not a self-defeatist song anymore right. um, and that's really where the bridge came out and the counter melody that is on um, the choruses as well mm-hmm. trying to combine those yeah. feelings of inadequacy with um, overcoming it which I think everyone can relate to mm-hmm. absolutely for sure <laughs> also th- this is like uh, incredibly distinctive look for this like, single that comes out, you have this like oh, insane yeah. makeup. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like uh, what is the like Swedish metal corpse paint? Yeah, it's like yeah. corpse paint. <laughs> yeah. It looks amazing. Um, I like metal a lot. <laughs> yeah, very cool. I think a, a, another aspect of this whole thing, and I know we're running low on time because mm. we've been here for a while, but there's there's just an, a fascinating visual representation of the band too. Like mm. all of the graphic design is really top notch. The videos are just like you clearly understand how you're getting this out into the world. Like, I don't know how long that took, but it was like, oh, this video is perfectly edited to be an Instagram, like, snippet. Like, it zooms Mm -hmm. in, like, the focal point is in the center. You're not having to do, like, some weird extra panning to go to the right to get to stuff. Yeah. I don't mean that in a way that's, like, uh, demeaning, but it was was just very intelligent and very, like clever very clever to be like okay we're gonna make this so that when it ends up as an instagram story it's gonna have the impact that it needs but there is a full 
frame to yeah it, you know? and that that kind of happened on accident but it wasn't once i was editing it i think i realized that yeah. um which is the joy of editing it yourself um which <laughs> i kind of don't think i would give away at this point uh, that one actually did better on social media than it did on youtube mm-hmm. uh, like which is you know the format you would think that's what you're aiming for for a music video but it's I really like designing for the parameter that you're in. And I think you can understand that as a designer, you need to know the dimension. You need to know what colorway you're going into. Like, what are the, you know, is it CMYK? Is it RGB? Like, what are you doing? Like, and all the dimensions, like it's countless dimensions of like all the social media formats. So you have the videos have a certain parameter versus the photos versus what you do on Twitter. Like, uh, it's just like so much to hold on your head. And I like to start with those first. So like knowing what, and now it's completely changed. I'm a little annoyed by it because you really can't (laughs) do a horizontal format. If you're wanting like everything, especially now because of TikTok, is all of that vertical, you know, 16 by nine dimension and everything, all the action has to take place in that. Before, I think using a lot of really low cost materials, say with like screen printing or other things of like trying to embrace and make the coolest thing that you can with your parameter is what I've tried to live the ethos by with the design of like making what's the best you can make with these parameters. Yeah. So I mean, restrictions often breed like extra creativity um completely so. it just puts you know a, a line down yeah it puts a, a dot down that you work around yeah and that in a way starts it well you've done an incredible job here i've taken up a lot of your time i still have like a billion questions i hope i can get you to come back to come For talk sure. to de- devalued another oh, podcast on we on this town to talk more about the marketing and the art and commerce collision mm-hmm. uh i'm just happy that i got to talk to you about the record like I think it's a great Same. record. Yeah. Uh, I think you've done a phenomenal job, not just with the music, but also with the marketing and just the whole thing. It's like mind-boggling. Yeah, uh, you know we need to hear that. <laughs> we have <laughs> no one else like, telling us. Well, that. God <laughs> damn, it's it's, it's a, great. You know, it's it's really it's great. A, I had um, Mary Mancini in here just the other day. Mm-hmm. We're recording a podcast because the Lucy's Record Shop 30th anniversary is coming up. Okay. We played Twin on that episode, which will come out. This who knows when sure, this episode yeah, will come yeah. out, so I don't know what time is, but around the time of the Lucy's 30th anniversary, I played the twin uh, song, a twin song on there, and I was like, oh yeah, they're the best. So mm. she's like, who are they? Oh wow! Mm. So like, I'm spreading the gospel as no, best I, I know can. Thank God. That's why I yeah. to come to talk to you. <laughs> and I really appreciate the that you stayed Nashville based. It's mm. extremely meaningful as someone who kind of grew up here. Mm. That bands like yourself who are making music that is very antithetical to the Nashville sound, which I find very boring mm-hmm. and pretty gross. Uh, <laughs> People just need to finish their melodies. That's People need to finish their melodies. For a songwriter's town, yeah. the laziness yeah. is yeah. really not great. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you're, thank you so much for, yeah, for joining you. me, for talking to me, and for doing everything that you do. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah. yeah, a pleasure. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> and we're done. All right. That was amazing. Thank you so much for listening to that. And a huge, huge thank you to Jane and Ian for joining me and sharing so much great insight about that record, One Stop Shop. Next episode, I'll get back to the playlist of great local music. My backlog is immense. I have so much great music to play with you, but One Stop Shop deserved its own episode. I've been wanting to do that for a really long time. If you want to submit some music for future episodes, hit us up at WeOwnThisTown on Instagram or Twitter or email me directly, michael at WeOwnThisTown.net. If you aren't subscribed to this show already, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. It is very appreciated. 
And lastly, many thanks to Upright T-Rex Music for the music bed playing underneath me right now. Find them at utxmusic.com. Take care of yourselves. I'll talk at you later. Bye. Uh, you're talking about how you did this record because you had a tour. Yeah. You're like, right. oh, we'll make a record because we have a tour. That's perfect. Exactly. Yeah, right. And then that tour didn't happen. Correct. Yeah. That's got to be infuriating. Well, we knew it was a risk, but right. like, I we don't take know. risks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you gotta. You gotta. Everybody right. knows the twin is risk takers. <laughs> yeah, we've jumped out of planes. You know that? We have. No. We got we've paid played, in skydiving. We've played gigs for skydiving twice. They're crazy. So we, Wait, we they played... love to party. Let's back yeah, up yeah. a second. Okay, sure. Explain how that works. Okay. What do you mean? Well, I'll tell you, Michael. What did they call them? They were like parties that they would call them. Uh, they were like remember? bonfire. They had like a name for it. They had like it was a like lingo. a private party that hires you? Uh, no, it's like the people that work at the skydiving So skydive New place. England. Mm-hmm. We're, uh, Everyone know. knows Skydive New England. Right, yeah. exactly. Famous. Well, it's the same. I believe it's the same company all around the country, but mm-hmm. there's just different locales for it. So yeah. it's like Skydive Tennessee, right? you know, whatever. And uh, they, Skydive New England, uh, they throw just private, like, uh, like because skydiving, how do you say this? They take place on, like, campgrounds almost. Like, all the employees live there mm-hmm. uh, next to an airfield. And they kind of like live there all summer or all year, and they're kind of like hippies, and they and that's how it works. Adrenaline junkies, kind of like ski bums, but they're sky this bums. This is such right. new news to okay. me. I'm loving this. Right. So, so they'll have like end of whatever the equivalent of end of semester party is, and they invite a band, and then instead of paying you, they throw you out of a plane. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, we've so done you got to a do few it. Times. Oh yeah. yeah, Ian's done it a couple times. I've only done it once, I I but I would do it again. Times, yeah. yeah, terrifying or fun or both. Yeah. Um, both. Incredible. Mine threw me out backwards, which was a funny joke yeah. at the. I mean, time. it's tandem, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but they threw us both out backwards, and you're supposed to go forward. Like it was just a wow. But I remember it fondly. Yeah, I think I did indoor skydiving once. Nice. Oh. Very different. Very yeah. cool though. That was fun. That was fun. Gatlinburg. Check it oh. out. Excellent. Yeah, we've been there. <laughs>